you think of the Christmas story, uh, the first passages that come to mind are uh, Luke 2 and Matthew 1 and 2, and those are our go-to passages. And we have been in those passages multiple times in the last few weeks. However, John, chapter number 1, is also uh, a Christmas passage, only it's more in a little more theological vantage point in John 1. We've been here already this Christmas season as well, but we'll be here again this morning. John chapter number 1, verse number 1. I think most of you could probably quote all that we're going to read today, uh, but I, these are verses, these are need-to-know verses here. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name very famous passage of scripture. I don't know about the other parts of the country, but I can tell you this. The natural born citizens of Iowa can tell you what the weather has been after Thanksgiving and between Thanksgiving and Christmas. They can tell you what the weather has been simply by driving around the neighborhood. If the weather has been harsh, there will be few Christmas lights on the houses. But if the weather has been mild and it's been calm, there will be an abundance of Christmas lights at the holidays. It's very hard to get motivated to hang lights on a roof that's slick with ice. It is very hard to get frozen fingers nimble enough to find that one bulb. You know, that one bulb that half of them won't work because one bulb doesn't work. Very hard to get that done with frozen fingers. And so you can look around the neighborhood and you can tell what the weather has been around here after Thanksgiving by just driving around and seeing how many Christmas lights are on the house. If the yards are really decorated, well, you know we've had a mild winter. But no matter how many lights are put up before Christmas, and no matter how slick the roof is after Christmas, within a day or two, those lights are coming down. Generally, after New Year, nobody lights the lights up with their Christmas decorations. And very few people want to be the one guy in the neighborhood who still has his Christmas lights up in July. The lights go up for a few days or a few weeks, and then they're gone. The title of this morning's message is a question. Does the Christmas light 
still shine? Does the Christmas light still shine? That's the question. Let's pray and then we'll examine it. Father, we bless your name. What a privilege to be your children. What a privilege to have this place together with these people, your family. And allow us to discuss a copy of your word that each of us has. Lord, we are so blessed. And we live in ignorance of that blessing so much of the time. But we come now, Father, to be fed to the full. For you to meet each need and each heart in this place. Because you are good enough and great enough to do this. And so we ask it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who already purchased all that we need. In his name we ask these things. Amen. Does the Christmas light still shine? Now, obviously, we have a lot more important things to discuss this morning than whether you have taken your Christmas decorations down. I'm guessing that since Christmas was yesterday, most of you still have your decorations up. But before, so before we can answer the question, does your Christmas light still shine, we need to know what light we're talking about. You know, there were a lot of lights at that first Christmas. You know, the shepherds sitting under the stars that night, they saw a great light. The pitch blackness that they were sitting in, and the next thing you know, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Then the angels begin singing the news of Christ. When you, have you ever considered what that looked like? I think we were discussing this in the van on the way Christmas caroling. What that would have looked like to see the whole sky full of angels singing the praises of the Savior. You think about the best Christmas light display you've ever seen. It would look nothing in comparison to a sky full of angels. Those angels singing the praises of the Lord, the brightness of all of that. It's hard to even get your mind to wrap around what that would actually look like and, and how wonderful that would be. Now, I don't know how many other people, other than the shepherds, saw that. Because it had to have been, I mean, the, the sky is filled with light. So others had to have at least seen, you know, maybe not knowing what was going on. I don't know who else saw it. But you know, that light is no longer shining. A few moments after they had begun to sing... The angels finished their song, the angels went back to heaven, and the shepherds went on their way, and that light of Christmas, the light of those angels, is no longer shining. But there was another light. In Matthew chapter number 2, we find the wise men, we've already discussed them recently, but these guys saw a star in the east. And somehow that light, that star in the east, signaled that the king of the Jews had been born. Now these men traveled to where? To Israel. They, did, they knew, I was contemplating this, okay, he was born king of the Jews. 
why would foreigners come to honor a foreign potentate? There had to have been more than that. They knew he was more than just the king of the Jews. And we know that they knew more than that because the gifts that they brought signified that they had more knowledge about what the Lord's life was going to be like and all that it entailed through those gifts. We know they had knowledge that was beyond just there's a king been born. They didn't come to just honor a foreign potentate. The Bible says they came to worship, and that's what they did. Now, at some point, if we, uh, what, how they knew all that is a mystery, I don't quite know. But Matthew chapter number 2 leads us to believe that at some point they had lost sight of that star. But after they talked to Herod, they find it again and they rejoice to see this star. And this star leads them to where the Lord Jesus could be found. And we might stand and ask the question, what happened to that star? Did it move off to Egypt when Joseph had his dream? Did it simply take its place in heaven with the other stars? Did it have a very short lifespan and just kind of shoot off and now its work is done? I suppose that if you did any research, you'd find that there were a lot of people who had opinions about that star and what happened to it. The fact of the matter is, I don't have an opinion. Because no opinion is needed. Because the star is merely a symbol or a, a signal in the sky. I think we saw one the other night when we were driving. Carol says, what is that in the sky? And it was his lights going around in the sky. Have you ever seen that? Normally there's three spotlights, and they're on some kind of a mechanical deal. And when someone is having a big event, they shoot these things. That, how many, you guys know what I'm talking about? These big spotlights in the sky going around. And they're... they're saying, we have some major event taking place here, and this is the spot. Now, how foolish would you be to see those spotlights and then go to the place where they're at and you stare at the spotlights the whole time and miss the event? It would be like, why did you do that? There was an event that these were drawing you to. For us to focus on the star that the wise men followed would be to miss the point. That star, whatever happened to it, is not the star we're after. The shepherd saw a light, that's not the light we're after. The wise men saw a star, that's not the light we're after. There's another Christmas light. We find it in the passage that we read this morning. That light was John the Baptist. We've also discussed him this Christmas. John was a light. In fact, the Lord Jesus in, in John chapter number 5 says that he was a burning and shining light. And for a while you rejoiced and followed that light. John was a light. But if John's the light we're after this morning, the quest is over. Because John had his head cut off by Herod. And his light went out. So if that's the light we're after, we are, oh, our quest is over. But our passage is very, very clear. Look at verse number 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He, John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John was a light. He was not the light. There is a huge difference in that. John was a Christmas light. He was not the Christmas light. For some reason, weddings have been on my mind recently. <laughs> Think about a wedding. Almost every, I'm sure everybody here has been to lots of weddings. And you know they're all basically the same. They get the wedding started. They get all the people seated. And then the wedding party starts to enter. Sometimes they come in couples, the brides and bridesmaids and the groomsmen come in couples. Sometimes they meet at the front. They do that a little different, depending. And they come marching down. Okay, you can see that in your eye. After the bridesmaids and the grooms all come in, then come the ring bearer and the flower girl, those cute little kids that disrupt the entire wedding. They make their way down, and the little girl's supposed to be throwing petals, and she doesn't, and so the other one grabs them and dumps them, and you know the whole thing. And after they get to the front, then the pastor will stand and come to the front, and suppose the pastor at this moment, you all are anticipating what's going on, the, the pastor comes to the front, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming today. The reception is over in the other building. And you'd say, w w wait a second, we missed something here. And the pastor said, what? You saw the bridesmaids and the groomsmen come forward, and weren't those kids cute? And you would say, uh, yeah, we saw Isn't that enough for you people? And you would say, no, it's not. Because... Yes, they are part of the party, but they're not why we're here. They come, but we came. We could do out without all these people. They're part of the wedding, but the part has not yet come down the aisle. You understand? There's a difference between being a part and the part. And you'd say, we're not leaving here until that bride and that groom do the thing. That's why we're here. John was a light. He was not the light. We could have done without John. We cannot do without the light. So by now, all of you are tracking with me, I assume, but the passage is very clear who this light is, the Christmas light we're after. Look at verse number 4. Talking of the Lord Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear a witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man which cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The true Christmas light is not the angels. 
It's not the star in the east. It's not John the Baptist. The real Christmas light is Jesus Christ. Okay, so now we know who we're discussing. Our question, does the Christmas light still shine? We know who we're talking about. But what does it mean to shine? What does that mean? Now, to get your mind to wrap around this, does light typically change things or does it reveal what's already there? Okay, let me, let's get your mind to wrap around this. Does light typically change things or does it simply reveal what's already there? Light simply reveals what's already there. Look, I think I've probably told you this before. When we were first married, we needed another car. And Carol says to me, when you go to get this car, I don't care what you get, except it cannot be gray. Every car we've ever owned up to this point has been gray. And so I don't care what kind of car you buy, but I don't want a gray one. Okay, so off to buy the car I go. Dad and I went. Gene Smith might have been there on that deal too. Hate to drag you into this, Gene, but <laughs> we went to the abandoned car auction that they have in Des Moines. There you go. In there. <laughs> Where else would a Dutchman buy a car? <laughs> so we looked through all these cars, and lo and behold, there is one car there. It is a Volkswagen Jetta, been hit in the front end, but not too bad. Looks like, a, all things being equal, a pretty decent car. Totally filled with trash. Those cars are almost always totally filled with trash. But anyway, uh, it's okay. This one might be a doable thing. Only one problem. <laughs> it's great. So, I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. You know, she may not really mean it like that. So, I buy the car. We tow it, and that's not always a good thing when to buy another car and you have to tow it into your parking spot. But anyway, we tow the car home. Carol walks out and she says, it's gray. <laughs> you know what? I've learned now. I've been married a lot longer. Some things are <laughs> unchangeable. Okay. I realized at that moment things were unchangeable. So I told her, or I acquiesced, uh, however you want to go with this, that I would change the color of a car, this car. Now, these days it's kind of hard to understand this because everything is filled with plastic and cloth on the inside. But when the time period we're talking about, the color of the car went to the inside. And changing the color of this car literally meant removing almost all of the interior and painting the inside of the car as well as the outside. To stay happily married, I happily pulled out, <laughs> out all of these inner parts of this car. I did the body work in my garage there on, a, on East Grand, and my brother Steve at the time was renting a building down in near, on the other side of Knoxville so that we could paint in. So we're going to paint this car burgundy. So we pull it into this garage, and Dad's got the spray gun. The lighting in the place was not perfect. It was there but not super bright and so dad painted this car for me when he got done it looked amazing 
until we pushed it out of the girl. <laughs> when we pushed it out, I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments in your life, but I, it, when I pushed it out of the garage, I realized that the sander that I had been using was not operating properly. And it had put scratches over the entire car. When we got it, the paint job looked good, but when we pushed out in the light, it looked like somebody had taken a grinder and just thrown it all over the car. It was such an embarrassment to drive. I can't even begin to tell you. How I even got Carol beyond that point, I don't even know. And the Lord was good to me because like three months later, we hit a deer with it, totaled the whole thing out. <laughs> the point being, the light did not scratch the car. It was the light that revealed what was already there. Now, with that thought in mind, okay, the light doesn't change but reveals. With that thought in mind, look at this very important verse here that is going to require much chewing on. Verse number four. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. If light reveals what is already there, then and Christ's life is the light of men, what does Christ's life reveal to us? The light reveals, and Christ's life is a light. So what does it reveal? Now, there are a lot of things, answers to that question, but let me give you just a couple of them this morning. Number one, Christ's life shows that God desires to have a relationship with man. This is one of the things that's revealed by all of this, that God desires to have a relationship with man. When God created Adam in the garden, it was obvious that he wanted to have a relationship with man. That's why he put him there. But things transpired there, and Adam sinned. Now think about what takes place over the next little while. Not very long after that, God has to wipe the whole entire civilization off the face of the earth in a worldwide flood, and there's only eight people left. Not long after that, he has to confuse the languages of the entire world to keep men from doing so much evil. The entire history of the human race is one of rebellion and disobedience to God. And it would be fairly easy to conclude, God is done with us. We had our chance, and now he no longer cares. He doesn't want any part of us. But the life of Christ reveals to us that this simply is not true. Amen. God still desires to have a relationship with man. In recent days, in our own country and around the world, we have seen rebellion. And this rebellion takes place, and we watch it, and you think, boy, how do we handle that? So how do you handle a rebellion? I'll tell you how you handle a rebellion. You send in troops. 
Never in the middle of a rebellion do you send in an infant. Do you understand that? That's not how a rebellion is handled. But in the midst of the rebellion against God, what does he do? He sends the Lord Jesus as an infant. And what is this telling us? That he still desires to have a relationship with man. And he's going to do what's necessary. Now make no mistake, my friend, he's leaving this as a choice and option for you at this moment. It's funny, I was listening, Carol says, I've been listening to the Bible on, on, uh, we, on our phones, we, we have the Bible, and we have a dramatized version. And she says, I've been listening to the book of Revelation, and it's all dramatized, and they do the voice, and go, it's a little scary. So I thought, oh, let me listen to that. And so I started listening to it. You know, the angels said to the, the shepherds, hey, go and see the, the Lord Jesus. In the book of Revelation, that was optional. You know, the shepherds said, nah, I don't feel like it. When the Lord says, when they say in the book of Revelation, come and see, this is no longer an option. The options are all over with at this point. The Lord does not have any problem. He doesn't have any difficulty in taking charge and putting this down a rebellion. But at this moment, he is giving the option. And his birth shows us that God still desires to have, no matter all what you have done, he still desires to have a relationship with you. In this baby we see that God is not, has not given up and he still wants to have a relationship. We also see in the life of Christ our own works will not bring us back to God. We see in the life of Christ, it reveals to us that our own works will not bring us back to God. I'm sure that you've had this happen to you multiple times in your life. But have you ever done anything that you're kind of proud of? You're, you're like, that's pretty cool, that's pretty decent. Or this is, I really did well here. And you're all set to show somebody about this, and then to find out that it's really not that good. I can remember as a teenager, a certain event had gotten a certain amount of money for me. And I was all excited about that, and I was getting ready to kind of brag about how well I had done at this thing. And when I was just getting ready to say it out, what a, my friend said how much money his had done, I wasn't interested in talking about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had it where you, you make something and you're like, wow, I did a nice job on that. Then you get on YouTube or you get on some you go someplace where people who actually do these kind of things do it and you're like, I'll just hide mine in the corner or put mine in the garbage can. Because it's really easy in your own little world to be pretty impressed. But then when you find out what other people are, how they can do, you think, ah, I guess I really don't have any skill there. In the world today, and you want to compare yourself to this sin-cursed world, you say, I'm not half bad. Look at me. I think I might actually be almost capable of going to heaven. I'm not that bad. Look around me. But when, my friend, you compare yourself with the Lord Jesus, you find, I'm not going to make it here. This isn't going to cut it. This is why the Pharisees were so upset with the Lord Jesus. Because their life, compared to everybody else, they'd say, 
sure glad, remember the guy, the one praying and says, I'm sure glad I'm not like that guy. But when they got compared with the Lord Jesus, their flaws, their faults, their covetousness and all of these things just showed up with like a, a sore thumb. They just stood out and everybody could see when they were compared to the Lord Jesus that they were way, way off base. The Lord Jesus' life is a light and it reveals. And when you compare yourself, you might be able to compare yourself to your next door neighbor or your best friend and say, you know what, I might make it into heaven here. But you compare yourself to the Lord Jesus and you're going to find out this is not going to cut it. This is not what God is expecting. The third thing that Christ's life reveals is that his death, Christ's death, is the only way back. We won't spend a ton of time here because all of you are pretty much understand this. But the angel said, call him Jesus for he will one day save his people from their sin. The salvation of man is not in the birth of Christ. The salvation of man is in his death. It is the death of Christ that squares the debt. It is the death of Christ that allows us to have a relationship with God. That sin must be punished. And God the Father punished God the Son for, his, for our sin. Christ's death was for our sin, and it shows unquestionably that the only way back to God is through Jesus Christ. In fact, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. When you look at Jesus Christ, you see that God desires to have a relationship with you, but your own efforts are not going to be the way to bring you back to God. But it shows that Christ's death is your only way back. Let me quickly add two more, and then we'll sum this whole thing up. For those of you who already know Christ, the life was the light of men, and it, it shows these things, if you already know Christ, that life should be lived in total dependence on God. Yes. The light shines, and it shows us that life should be lived in total dependence on God. If we look at Christ's life, what do we see? Christ was not silent or secret about any of this. He was open and plain. He lived his life in total dependence on his Father. Over and over again he told us this. I came not to do my own will, but the will of the Father that has sent me. I honor my Father, and ye do dishonor me. I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. I speak that which I've seen with my Father. I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I, always, I do always those things that please him. Not my will, but thine be done. The life of the Lord Jesus does not make your life what it is. It reveals to you what it is. And if you let your light, the light of Christ's life, shine on yours today, what does it reveal? What it should reveal is a life that is in total dependence on him.
That's what that light should reveal in your life. And the fifth thing that we should see from the light of Christ's life is that power for life does not come from oneself. The power for life does not come from oneself. Far too often Christians see the light of Christ's life. The deeds, the attitudes, the actions, the responses that we should have, and they try to imitate them. What they fail to recognize is that the Christ's life, there was a power that was that by where the things were accomplished was not in Christ, but in the Holy Spirit. Christ did not live this life on earth as God, nor did he do this life in his own power. He lived this life as a spirit-filled man. He let the power of the Holy Spirit accomplish the work of the Father through him. Let that light shine brightly in your life today. Is your life being lived in the strength of your own ability? Are you serving God today with your talents and your sharp mind is it your dynamic personality or your organizational skills that you're trying to live the life of Christ with? If so, you have not seen what Christ's life, that light that it shows, is telling. Because the power is not of you, but of God to live this life. Okay, we're getting late in the hour, so let's tie this whole thing together. We started with a question. Does the Christmas light still shine? Who is the Christmas light? It's not the angels. It wasn't the star. It wasn't John the Baptist. It was Jesus Christ who was the true light. If the light of Christ reveals that God wants us to have a relationship, he wants to have a relationship with us, that our efforts are not the way back to God, Christ's death is the only way back, that life should be lived in total dependence on him, and the powerful life is not found in self but in him, then what is the answer to the question? Does the Christmas light still shine? And I hope that in your mind you are like, oh, wait a second, hold on, uh, let me think. Because the answer to this question is twofold. Yes, the light still shines. The death of Christ did not put out his light as it did John the Baptist. For Christ rose from the dead and the light of his resurrected life still shines very brightly. So yes, that Christmas light is still shining, but don't be too satisfied with that answer. It is true and a legitimate answer, but it's not the full answer. Because in John chapter number 9, verse number 5, Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Those are very powerful words that you should not just slip over. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When Christ lived on this earth, his life was an open book. And men could come and see that light for themselves. My friend, that was 2,000 years ago. Truly at the right hand of God the Father, Christ's life shines as brightly as ever. As ever. But think practically. 
what does the world see of this light? Think about this Christmas season. What did the world see of the Christmas light this season? Well, most of them, all they saw was wrapping paper and tinsel and Christmas lights and Santa Claus. A few people were exposed to a manger scene, a plastic piece. Some people actually got to hear part of the Christmas story read. That's that light. In America, the Bible is plentiful, and anybody can get a copy of it. But how many of the world actually see that, read that? So the question still remains, does the Christmas light still shine? And the answer to the question, surely the Lord Jesus is still shining brightly in heaven. But if the world is going to see that light, where are they going to see it? And this is why we like the earlier answer. Yes, it's still shining. Because this rolls right down to you. For Christ said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But he did say, ye are the light of the world. And this is why God's people are to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. This is why that the way his light shines is supposed to re reflect, and we are supposed to have that change us so that when our light shines, they are truly seeing the Lord Jesus. And so the question is a little painful if we answer it honestly. Yes, the Lord Jesus' light is shining as brightly as ever in heaven. But as long as he is on the earth, he is the light of the world. But ye are the light of the world. So now answer the question. Does the Christmas light still shine? Let's pray.